welcome to the Morning by Morning podcast, where we discuss faith, relationships, and life advice. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite cozy drink and start the day with us. Good morning and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. This is actually a part two episode to our motherhood interview with Marcy. So if you are for some reason clicking on this one first, go back and listen to last week's episode and we will be continuing with part two. But first, Marcy, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that you made breakfast for me this morning. (laughs) It's not that I always have to cook because I'm a lazy wife and I make Michael do most of the grunt work, but... (laughs) Most morning he's not around because he gets up hour like he gets up at like five and leaves mm-hmm. before we get up for the day. So I usually have to make breakfast while also trying to um, get the baby out of the crib because right now he's still in a crib. And yeah. right now he's discovered how much fun it is to jump on the mattress. <laughs> so he will cry and whine and he wants me to come get him. But then when I come in the room, he wants it to be a game where like he smiles and giggles at me. And then when I go to reach for him to take him out, he like slams himself back down to the mattress and <laughs> so they can around. work for it <laughs> yes and i've like been trying you know we've been trying to have a baby for every year now mm-hmm. um and so i got it in my head that if i would be pregnant by now so i was like well okay i need to train him to start like standing up at the side of the crib for me to get him out because eventually if i'm pregnant i'm not going to be able to like lean over as far down at the mattresses yeah. to get him out so even though I'm not pregnant now and I could have given this up a long time ago and just keep scooping him out of the crib. <laughs> I've like continued stubbornly with this, like trying to teach him to let me get him out by standing up, up by the bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just this long process of me. Like I need my coffee. I need to start breakfast. The baby is hungry and whiny, but he also just wants to dive down. He's the playing. And this morning I got up and you asked me how many sausages I want. And it was just, (laughs) and you made the coffee and I came over and forgot that you'd made coffee. And I just was watching what you were doing, making your from scratch muffins. And you were like, oh, let me move so you can get some coffee. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone made coffee and it wasn't me. So (laughs) that's what I'm thankful for today. I am thankful to get to spend time with you. I think Marcy said in the last episode, but we don't live in the same town and we used to, and we used to hang out all the time and now we can't. It was, we took it for granted. Oh, I was going to say, but I'm just grateful that she's here visiting because it's always nice. It's not all the time that we get to spend time together, but it's always just nice to chat and catch up and I'm glad you're here and that you enjoyed your breakfast. Thank you. It was good. It was delicious. She made chocolate chip muffins and sausage and gave me an orange. I had the option of blueberries. I chose the orange. There weren't very many. It was so many options. Um, and that was all like real food. It wasn't like, here's some French toast sticks I pulled out of the freezer and put in the oven like what I I love French toast sticks. I'm not opposed. I will say that it is the weekend. So that's the only reason I made from scratch muffins. And that, that was something I had ingredients for. I don't but remember yes. the last time I made something from scratch. You make delicious food. Thank you. So we previously asked Marcy a few questions about being a mom. Episode one, just kind of like what were some challenges, blessings, expectations. And now we're kind of, I feel like these questions are a little more like reflective of now that you've had some mom experience Mm. and yeah, just kind of what you would pass on from it. So Hopefully this was a lot more encouraging than last I don't one. think your last episode was not encouraging. I think it was honest. And you said, you know, no one told me these things. So I think it's nice that you are telling people because then they have in their mind, like, here's some things that might be hard, but it will pass, you know? That's hopefully this is what this I think episode is, is, wow, that lady really made me afraid of parenting. <laughs> and now, oh, wait, but it's okay. But it's and worth we it. Can, like, yeah. yeah, that's hopefully what happens. I think it will. I think it was still balanced. So the first one is, what are you most proud of yourself for so far? So right before you started recording, I realized that when I journaled out my answers to these questions for this one, I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff I'm proud of Theo for, (laughs) which is the most stereotypical like new mom thing to do Mm -hmm. is to like lose yourself in motherhood and like not be able to think of anything for yourself. Right. So I'm going to try to twist it. (laughs) Well, you can say what you're proud of him for first if you want to do both. To be fair, I mean, these things that I'm proud of him for, I I could claim I had a hand in those. Like I wrote down I'm proud of his obedience Mm -hmm. and his sleep schedule and how much he reads, which I feel like all three of those things I've had a huge hand in. Yeah. Like I 
I did say before that Theo has a very like chill, happy, is it countenance or disposition? I don't know. One of those demeanor. And so a lot of that plays into it. But I also, I'm proud of how consistent I've been able to be with him. I know that consistency is really important in parenting and um, of the balance that I've had with positive reinforcement and discipline and that kind of a thing because it doesn't come naturally to me and I've never really liked kids. So (laughs) the fact that I've been able to do a good job with that, like he listens when I say no, he'll come to me when I call him most Mm -hmm. of the time. (laughs) He'll stop when I say stop. Like That's really good. I don't have to ever be afraid of taking him out where other kids are because I know he's going to be kind. I know he's going to share. Like people are always telling me like, wow, I'm so impressed that he shared his toy. Like I don't think I shared toys when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like he's just – he wants to please me and he wants to be kind to other people and um i'm proud of the fact that i've been able to be consistent with that and not like i've never like screamed at him or like i've just heard people be like like angelic people say that they have these like bad mom moments where they have Mm -hmm. a bad day and i don't feel like i have that so i feel proud of myself being able to be consistent yeah i think it's been easier for me than maybe a lot of people because I did quit my job and because I have had less stressors in my life. Maybe it hasn't been as hard for me to be consistent. I don't know. Um, Sleep schedule, because it was, if you listen to the last episode, it was a very hard process Mm -hmm. getting to sleep. Like he was chronically overtired for the first six months of his life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was my fault because I knew nothing about baby sleep and Every like it's very like in right now on like mom forums and all these different things online to be like, oh, just babies know what they need. Like just follow their cues kind of a thing. And I'm here to tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many babies out there. Maybe there are some babies that like can go to sleep and eat and whatever when they need to do that. But a lot that is not true of all babies. Mm. And a lot of times babies need to be laid down or babies need to like be fed and they just didn't give you the cues that you're like told to look for in the what yeah. to expect books and stuff like that. So, um, and I don't think it was just that I didn't know what to look for because I was like scouring the internet and asking people and whatever. And he just was really overtired and mm-hmm. it took months for us to fix that because when babies aren't getting enough sleep, it's harder for them to fall asleep and stay asleep. And so, like, everyone was recommending things like taking care of babies or taking care of babies. I don't know. She uses her name in this title. It's I think she hmm. has a podcast and it's supposed to be really good. Okay. And there's all these, like, online modules and lessons and things that you can pay for and be a part of. And, like, there's so many different, like, sleep training advices and things out there and different, like, versions of it and whatever. And people were giving me all this advice and stuff. But it just, like, no matter what – process you take to helping your kid get enough sleep so that you can get enough sleep also, um, no matter what process you do, it's going to take a lot of time because when your kid's really overtired, even if they do fall asleep, they keep waking up even yeah. when they're not ready to wake up because your body like has so much adrenaline and so much going on in it that it can't stay asleep until you've got some equilibrium there. So I'm very proud of the fact that we have sleep figured out a lot of that is just because he's older now and so yeah. he can connect sleep cycles and that kind of stuff. But but even you said like you've had to be consistent. Like that was still choices that right. you made that helped that process. Yes. And I don't want to scare anybody because I think <laughs> so. No, I'll talk about that in the advice part. But okay. I'm slightly, I will say I'm slightly traumatized <laughs> from sleep training. I didn't like let him cry for hours on end or anything yeah. like that. But I did like teach him – like I don't rock him to sleep. I mm-hmm. don't help him. He can he can put himself to sleep now. People are always – when people come over for a game night or to have dinner or something, people are always shocked that I'll go in there. I'll like change his diaper. Mm-hmm. I'll sing him a song and I'll lay him down and come out. And people are like, oh my gosh, is he already asleep? Because he's not crying. He's not – I'm like, no, he's probably like doing what we do. Like he's probably laying there for a second thinking or whatever. Right. But he's going to fall asleep in a second. And they're always really shocked at well how well he naps and how well he like puts himself to sleep. And I don't – it's again, it's not very in right now to do that. Like, right. But I'm very proud of the fact that he can do that because I, as I said, was having a hard time not doing violence to people being sleep de- <laughs> deprived. And also he like – he is a completely different kid from when he was overtired. The first six months of his life was like a ton of crying. Mm-hmm. It was just – 
lot of crying. Oh yeah. my gosh. And when we finally got it figured out, yeah, he's been this happy, chill baby ever since. He needs structure and he needs a schedule. And when he gets off of it, that's when we have problems is when he's not getting enough sleep or things aren't happening at the right times for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm proud of how well he sleeps, even though I'm slightly traumatized from training him to sleep because <laughs> it's just hard to hear your baby want you to cuddle them and hold them. And he would have happily for his whole life probably just slept all cuddled up with me. And yeah. there's a part of me that misses that a lot, but I know that it's But it paid this off. Way. Yes, yes, it definitely paid off. He's such a happy kid now. And then the last one was, I am proud of how much we read. Um, This is totally mom bragging, but that's fine. He's not two yet. He's about to be two and he's already completed the 1000 books before kindergarten program Mm -hmm. at our local library. And like the whole, the rules are like, it doesn't matter if it's a unique book. It doesn't have to be a thousand unique books or a thousand like books of so many pages or whatever. It's any book, like board book, whatever. And he completed that last summer. And he adores reading. Like yeah. all those like – I liked reading when I was a kid and did those kinds of things just because I liked reading. I think that there's like some kind of ulterior motive for those programs, like summer reading programs and things to try to instill a love of reading in kids. Like here you get stickers and prizes or you whatever. Prizes, Don't you yeah. love reading? Like, And that wasn't the case for me because I just liked it before I ever did one of those things. But it's definitely working on him. Like he loves reading. We read all the time. And I never realized how little other people read because I'll have people over and I'll invite them to read him a bedtime story or whatever to have like a bonding moment with him. And I can tell when people read out loud, people who like never read out loud or haven't read a story because they don't like do the inflection or pause in the right moments or like they kind of stumble over the story. Mm -hmm. So I can tell when people don't read out loud. And I've also hung out with other people whose kids can't sit through a book. Because they probably don't do it, yeah. Yeah, they don't do it enough at home or, like, it's just not part of their routine. And Theo has a great attention span and is able to go through books because we've been doing it since before he could even sit up all the way. Like, he's just – it's just been a part of our thing as we read books all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that this sounds crazy and it's bragging mom, but I am convinced he's reading a little bit. Um, Your sister, Bailey's sister, taught kindergarten for a while. And she's told me that one of the – standards or I don't know what it is, but one of the things they look for in kindergartners is they try to teach them like how to hold a book the right way Mm -hmm. and how to turn the pages or whatever. And he does that already. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until she pointed that out to me. And also there are times that he has pointed at a word or at a letter and he's made the sound or said the word. So I know that like kids and I know that everyone does this where they like memorize the story and they read it or whatever. But like even the word Toshiba on my Chromebook, <laughs> like he was pointing at the T the other day and yeah. he was tracing his line against the word and he was saying, ta, ta. Mm-hmm. I've never said Toshiba to him. Right. Like, but he recognizes that he recognizes you're reading to him. Probably, yeah. yeah. And like there's um the book Hand, Hand, Fingers, Thumb. It's a Dr. Seuss book, I think, or it's supposed to be like a Dr. Seuss book. And there's a refrain of dum, diddy, dum, diddy, dum, dum, dum. Mm-hmm. And he like, he notices the words. I think most kids look at the pictures, but he yeah. notices the words and he'll trace his finger on them and I'll say what they are. And he'll say the dumb, like he pointed at all of the dumbs on the page and said, dum, dum, dum. Oh. So like, I'm convinced he is reading a little bit, which okay. I know sounds insane. But I mean, I'm really proud of him for that. And I know that I'm doing a good job with reading to him. Yeah. So I'm very proud of that. Sounds like it. There's plenty I'm not proud of. Like, the fact nope, that he doesn't eat vegetables, but <laughs> he might. <laughs> I just don't want some mom. Mom guilt is a real thing. Yes. I had um I had like a very small baby shower because my baby shower with you all, with yeah. all my friends and family at home, got canceled uh, because that was the week of the shutdown. That was terrible. In 2020. It was horrible. Um, but I the week before that, I had gone a few hours away to where my husband's family lives and Mm -hmm. done like a little family baby shower. And I have a friend in the area who was able to come, which was a relief to me because I was very grateful for them to do like a baby shower type thing for me. But I didn't know a lot of the people because it was like people like his mom and grandma's friends. And so I was like, oh, good. I'll have like a friend there. So she came. That is nice. And I asked her to do a Devo because um, another one of my friends, I've always been so jealous of this. She (laughs) went to a church in Tennessee and they have some kind of magical, like it must just be Jesus, like community (laughs) there where they like just, I don't know, it just sounded like utopia every time she would talk about the way that they have community at their church and the Mm -hmm. way that they support one another. They had a tradition of every time there's a baby shower, they would like 
instead of doing like games and stuff like that, they would do a Devo and they okay. would have a mom come and like talk about something. And I went to one of them. It was when she was pregnant with her second baby. She's on number four. So when she was pregnant with number two, the mom did a mom Devo about becoming a parent of multiples. Mm-hmm. So I invited my friend to come do a Devo because I was like, oh, that's so cool. I've always wanted to do that. And we said, okay, well, we knew we were having a boy. She has boys. So we're like, well, can you do like a mom Devo about being a boy mom or yeah. something? And she listened to God and gave a different Devo. And it like, in retrospect, it is exactly what I needed. And it was about mom guilt and mm. um, just awareness about it and being on your guard against it. And it's a real thing of hearing other moms talk about what their kids are good at and then feeling even though you logically know there's nothing wrong with your kid, they all develop differently. Yeah. Also feeling like, oh, what am I doing wrong that I'm not doing that? So I like, I don't want anyone to hear that he's like maybe reading and doing these things and then be like, oh, I don't read enough with my kid. Like I don't want them to sound judged or anything because you're probably, if you're a mom and you're listening to this, you're probably doing great things. Like you probably have your kids eat real food. And last time someone babysitted (laughs) my kid- kid eats real food. No, he doesn't. (laughs) The last time someone babysitted Theo- she has two children and they were eating real food like <laughs> chicken and vegetables and i have seen your kid eat chicken <laughs> they even told me afterwards they're like oh he just wanted the lunch food and what they mean by that is like the cheese stick and like right. the sandwich or something and not the like actual nutritious <laughs> stuff so so the point is that other people if you feel like you don't do something as well as she's discussing you're doing something else well. Yeah. You we are. just naturally as humans compare ourselves to everything we hear which is right. probably why the whole mom don't guilt that, thing please. is. Yeah. I feel like I I told you this the other day in all of your episodes you give a disclaimer about like this is just our perspective. Disclaimer. Here's the di- <laughs> here's the disclaimer like yes I'm proud of these things but that doesn't mean that if you're not doing them right. you're not worthy of being proud of. Right. The takeaway is find what you're proud of. <laughs> Because there's something. (laughs) Okay. My next question is, what has God taught you during this season? This is probably one of those things, like you said earlier about something, you know, maybe my answer would change in different stages. But Mm -hmm. anytime since having your baby until now, what do you think you have learned from God? This one's easy. I thought about (laughs) this a lot, actually. Okay. Um, The lesson he's been teaching me is to accept the limitations of the season that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very limited in availability. And that's because of Theo's nap time or like he has, I believe it's important for kids to play and move. I think most people believe that, but it's a core value for me as a parent that I want him to have plenty of time to get around and move and explore and Mm -hmm. try things for himself. And so I'm, I'm limited by that because there's been many times that I've wanted to meet up with someone like at a coffee shop or wanted to go do something. And because I'm a stay-at-home mom, it means taking him along with me. Yeah. Like, I don't have a community of stay-at-home moms where I live. Unfortunately, it's just not a popular thing. It would be so much – I well, I don't know that. This is a grass on this greener kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, I tell myself it would be so much easier if I had like a community of stay-at-home moms and we could like take turns or something or like help each other. Um, but anyway, there's – I hate disappointing other people. And so there's been times that someone wants to meet up for lunch or they want to like get together and they're like, yeah, sure, bring Theo. And I'm limited because I want to go somewhere that's maybe going to infringe on his nap time. Like maybe, ooh, well, he's just going to stay up a little bit longer. I'm going to try to stretch him or yeah. maybe even skip it all together or go somewhere where there's nothing for him to do, like just sit in a high chair he or can't sit in move, a stroller. Yeah. And especially the bigger he gets, like the bigger that need for movement is. And People don't remember or realize how much asking a toddler to be flexible or a baby to be flexible Mm -hmm. derails them. Like when you get off schedule, like when you think about like maybe when you were in school and you had summer break and how long it took to get finally back into a routine when school year starts or whatever, I feel like we can bounce back from that and we can be flexible a lot more easy. And that just makes logical sense. Because you've developed the skills. You've had loads of practice. Yes. And because we're so good about being like consistent with like, we don't have like some kind of ritual schedule. Like I don't have like a, okay, for 15 minutes, we're going to do craft time. Then for 15 minutes, we're going to do this. Like not at all. Mm -hmm. I have friends who have more structure like that and it does work for their kids. It's not like satan's plan for children (laughs) which i hear a lot of people on forums be like oh i can't believe you're so rigid when i say schedule i mean like he generally naps from 12 to 2 30 or something like 
because we stick to the same routine, same schedule almost every day, he is super happy and he is super content and obedient and all these things. And so in the times when I have been tempted to stretch him longer or skip a nap time or take him somewhere where he's in a high chair, I th- people like see what a good kid he is and people just cannot understand why I'm resistant because hmm. I like he'll be fine he'll act you yeah know, like he'll act well I get then. a lot of pushback when I try to say no we can't do this or I'm gonna leave early or whatever like people are like oh but he's doing so well or whatever they don't see afterwards how long it takes us to get back on track they don't see how yeah. ups- like he gets really upset he's doing well emotional. because you've put in the work and because yes. you've kept him on a schedule yes and-, and they they also don't see like how long it takes us to fix like it's the overtired thing again like mm-hmm when we skip a nap time or we stretch longer, like that takes a couple of days to recover from with him. So I've learned that I'm the adult yeah, <laughs> and we are the adults and it's our responsibility right now to be flexible. Kids need structure and they need stability. And one day, very soon, they will learn to be flexible, but it doesn't yeah. have to be because we want to go get coffee or we want to, not that those things are bad, but in this stage right now, I can manage to be the flexible one. I can put off the all the like billions of things I want to errands I run and things I want to do so that he can take a nap in his crib and it mm-hmm. be quality nap and not just in the car seat or in a stroller. Right. That's interrupted. Yes. I can do that for this season. And eventually he'll have a little sibling and that will force him to be flexible mm-hmm. or just the different circumstances of growing up and the things he's going to be involved in that will teach him flexibility and he will get there. I think, yeah, God's teaching me to accept my limitations at the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to do it all. I can't do it all. And it's okay. All right. I really like that. I had, I didn't know what to expect you were going to say. I was like, this could go a lot of directions. But I think (laughs) that that is a nice, realistic expectation also for people who, if they're listening that don't have kids yet, that like, there's different seasons. And Mm -hmm. for now, that is what is working for you. That's what's important to you. And it might not always be that way. So yeah, I think it also applies to not parenting. Like that would have been a useful thing for me to know years ago of like, yeah, there are always limitations of whatever season you're in. That's true. I think we cause ourselves a lot of pain. Like not that having expectations and goals are bad. Not at all. I'm very goal oriented. But I think sometimes we can cause ourselves more pain than needed because there are certain limitations that are not like the end of the world and we that don't are in our accept lives. them yeah we don't accept them interesting yeah i could learn that in a few areas of my life now <laughs> another lesson that i feel like god has been teaching me in this season i got from pinterest <laughs> i i just i just shared it with you on pinterest so oh, that good. you can see it but thank you <laughs> I, I it turns out that you can't even get anything from it anymore it was I don't even know when I found it or what I was looking for or whatever. I must have just been scrolling or something. And I saw, like, you can buy things on Pinterest now. Did you mm, know that? I've never done it. There's, like, a different section on my phone for, like, shopping mm. and one for ideas or whatever. And it annoys me quite a bit. But anyway. I've never seen that. I saw a pin from a girl who has an Etsy store. She's from Wyoming. And she drew – she draws, like, these cartoon Jesuses doing different things. And usually it's, like, got a Bible verse and you can put on a mug or whatever. So she sold out for this one. But – I saw this verse that I don't remember, like, I know I've read the whole Bible a couple of times in different reading programs, but obviously the you have those moments sometimes with the Holy Spirit where you're like, I feel like I'm reading this for the first yes, time. I don't, yeah. All the time. That happened with this one. Um, and I saw this verse and it, I think it was coupled with the image. It, it was one of those Holy Spirit moments where you're like, I know this is a message straight from God from my heart. Mm-hmm. And the verse, actually, I'll just read it. And then I'll give some context. It says, it's Isaiah 40, 11. It says, he tends his, sh- talking about God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And then like different versions, like I've looked at different ones because I never took Hebrew. I only took Greek. So I'm always a little bit less confident. She only took Greek, which is more than most of us have taken. <laughs> I'm a little less confident sometimes when I read the ones that were originally in Hebrew. And so right. I like looked at several different translations and like some of them will say the nursing use. So like when you're breastfeeding and you mm-hmm. hear that he's gently leading you, it's just very nice to hear because breastfeeding is not easy. Yeah. And other ones will say those that are with young, like pregnant, and some those that have young. So it's like applying to this whole early motherhood stage of like prenatal, postnatal mm-hmm. motherhood. And anyway, it's like at the very beginning of that chapter that I feel like most people have heard the one like even you grow tired and wearied. Yes. Yeah. And like 
those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength kind of a thing. So like I knew that, but I'd never paid attention to that versus up towards the beginning of the chapter of that same like section of Isaiah. And I think part of the reason it stood out to me is I had gone on the socially distant walk with a girl. I was hoping we could be really good friends. Um, you actually, this is the baby. I sent you pictures of him and how are you guys praying At for the him? Zoo? No. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, I, I know what you're talking about. This yes, is the one that has yes. uh, Prater Willie yes. syndrome. Yes. Um, and she had placenta previa and it was like this whole thing, ordeal, and people were praying for him or whatever. When she was pregnant, I had, well, obviously she was pregnant. Well, anyway, I had just had Theo and we had just decided. It was, he was like 10 weeks old or something. We had just decided that we were willing to let other people meet him. And um, it must have been a little bit past that because we switched churches during the pandemic, like different locations, same church. Um, and I was trying to make friends. And so I met her on this mom group online and knew she went to the same church and we decided to have a socially distant walk together. Mm-hmm. So we're walking and she's like asking me advice because she's she's very pregnant at this point And she has like all these expectations about how her birthing experience is going to go and like what being a newborn mom is like. And so she's asking me these questions as I've got like Theo and a little baby carrier strapped to me as we're walking around socially distanced with masks on. Oh my gosh. And it was cold. So it must have been like, he must have been like six months old or something. We're walking around in the winter. Um, And I remember towards the end of this, we were walking back to our cars and she asked me, how has the Lord been carrying me in the season? And I was immediately annoyed, like, because I was dealing with postpartum depression and I was sleep deprived and I couldn't have even told you when the last time was I read my Bible or whatever. Like I just was not in a good place. And so I was like really annoyed because I have told her, I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I didn't feel like God was carrying me. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was any evidences I could give her. Um, and then it was quite a while later that I ran across this pin on Pinterest with this verse, he tends his flock like a shepherd, gathers the lamb in his arms, carries them close to his heart, gently leads those that have young. And the picture is of Jesus holding a baby. And then he's got his hand also like holding the hand of a woman that's trailing behind him. Oh, and I want to see it now. Yeah, I sent it to you. I'll show it. I also downloaded it on my phone. Um, and I just, it spoke to me immediately. And I ended up getting back together with her because her babies had all these different complications. They're still like very quarantined. Mm. But I um, met with her at her house out on their front lawn, had a picnic with her. And I said, you asked me almost like it was probably almost a year later how God has been carrying me through the season. And I told her like, I was really annoyed when you asked that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an answer for that. And now I know for sure God has been carrying me through this whole thing because sleep deprivation is really bad. (laughs) And I had like, there's just so many like older women in every new mom's life that have an idea of what you should be doing as a mom because of what they did with their kids. Right. And there's so like, and I care about what people think and I care about people's opinions and I want to learn from people. And sometimes I take that too far with advice that I read on the internet or what I'm reading in books. And so there's just a lot of pressure on me. And I didn't think of Jesus as leading me gently and reading that verse and seeing that picture, especially in a time when not a lot of people could hold my baby for me. So I could mm-hmm. take a shower or take a nap or something seeing Jesus holding that baby and leading that woman and those words gently lead were huge to me. And so like my first lesson he's been teaching me about um, accepting my limitations is like action oriented. But this one is something I feel like not every lesson God has is something you do. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's something you believe or you trust and trusting that he is caring and gently leading me. He's not that condemning voice or that you need to do better voice in my head that I hear sometimes. He's the voice that's gently leading me and carrying my baby close to his heart. And that you might not see that until after the fact. No, might not, but I can tell you now, he definitely was because somehow we made it through those. I don't even remember half the stuff that happened in the first year, but... Good thing you got that camcorder. (laughs) Yes, right? Good thing I took all those videos. (laughs) Okay, this is my last question, and it is, what advice would you give to other either first-time moms or soon-to-be moms? Like, if they currently have a very young kid or they're currently pregnant or they're just kind of trying to, like, wrap their mind around what's coming, what okay. would you? I've actually got a lot for this one. Okay. Um, 
And it's going to sound, I realized after I wrote this, that it sounds like I'm trying to convince you to become a parent. (laughs) (laughs) But I genuinely was coming at this literally just thinking about the question Mm -hmm. and how I'd answer the question to anybody. So that's fine. It's going to, and it's going to sound this way because I've been trying to convince Bailey to have babies forever (laughs) now. So if you do decide to have a baby after listening to this, I'll be very happy. Okay. Okay. Um, My first piece of advice is to quit your day job. Um. It was really hard for me. I think I talked about that the first part of this episode or whatever, last episode. Mm -hmm. The adjustment from working full time to being a stay-at-home parent is really difficult, I think, on everybody, even people who always plan to do that. It's just just a transition. But as much as it was difficult, like I I, I legitimately had an identity crisis. I know that's super stereotypical and I hate that because I hate it every time I play into a stereotype, but I had an identity crisis. Well, it's a stereotype because it happens. Yes. Yeah. And it was really difficult, but it's 100% worth it. I cherish getting to be around for all of his firsts. I know he is safe. I don't have to worry. I worked in case management, mental health case management for a while and saw a lot of really horrible things that were in situations that on the outside looked super safe. Mm -hmm. And so I never have to worry about whether or not he's safe. Um, It's a tough financial decision living off of, I'm, I'm assuming that, this this advice is really for like a married couple that has like two incomes yeah. or like the is in a healthy Christian marriage. Income still, there are yeah. so many variables that make my advice not worth it. Like um, my sister is an amazing boss mom that works full time mm-hmm. and is doing basically the single mom life and she manages teams of people and she's amazing at it. And so this doesn't really apply to her because right. by no fault of her own, she's doing this on her own. But so there's like different variables, of course, but assuming that you are in a marriage and it doesn't even have to be like super duper amazing or healthy or true love or anything like just assuming there's another person. There is an income you know, <laughs> of some sort. An income, quit your day job because even like it's putting goals about like saving for a house and things way behind for us, mm-hmm. if even realistic at all and things like that. But um, but God really does provide. And it's time together that you will never get back. And I've never heard anyone say that they regret this. No. I think like everyone right now, our age, the millennial generation and the next generation wants to get their career figured out and like advance that. But the thing is, there is your whole adult life to work on your career and perfect your skills and grow those. And yeah, you may be behind other people. Mm -hmm. And that is a disadvantage. And I'm not trying to discount that. But you do not have your whole life to have babies. Right. And yeah, sure. Okay. You have your whole life to adopt other kids and whatever. But this is a unique time of life and you will not get these years back. And I've never met anyone who has decided to spend more time with their kids that regretted it. Right. But I have met several people that it's just not an option for them. And they have this brokenness in their heart that that's a dream they'll never be able to have. Right. They can't afford to even dream of staying home with their kids. And I have met people that have chosen that, that have been like, oh, sometimes I just wish like, it's not that there's not hard things about being home with your kid all the time. There definitely is, but you won't regret it and it will be hard and it will be an adjustment period. But if you push through it and you stay home, you will not regret it. And this is also just an unashamed plug for more coworkers in my life (laughs) because one of those expectations that I had about parenting that um, didn't go the way I hoped was I just kind of assumed there would be more coworkers in my life, like other mm-hmm. stay-at-home moms and more of a community. And I've realized, like, I feel a lot of times when I get together with people for dinner or, like, meet up with people for something and all the other people are, like, talking about their jobs or whatever, it's kind of like if you went to college and you had your college friends get together with your high school friends and you realize, oh, for the last 10 minutes, me and my high school friends have been reminiscing and my college friends couldn't they join don't, in on they it. They can't contribute. Yeah. yeah. And you have to make that adjustment and be like, oh yeah, let's talk about something we can all talk about. That happens to me all the time now in the adult world. It feels like I'm an outsider in the adult world a lot of times because I don't have anything to contribute that is odd, yeah. about work or like whatever. I just can listen to you and be like, wow, that's cool. And then people will like try to include me and I'll be like, well, today we did puzzles, <laughs> took a nap and we had lunch. We did our thing. Yeah. So anyway, the quit your day job thing is also just an unashamed plug for me to have more friends. You can move near me, quit your job, move near me, and we can do life together and be coworkers together. And have something to talk about at dinner. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, other advice I have is to join a gym with really nice locker rooms. Um, I don't like to work out, but um, I say this because postpartum depression is real. 
and I think people know it's real. Yeah. I knew I was predisposed to develop it before giving birth and was a little bit like, oh, this is going to happen to me. But I just, I thought it would be easier than it was. And I did have postpartum depression. And um, last year, I just made the goal to get out and be around people more often and be moving. Like, I Mm -hmm. didn't care about losing weight or like, I thankfully haven't had the like very stereotypical body image issues after birth or anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with that. Um, But I did know that it's crucial to be moving when you're trying to work through depression. And so I joined a gym that was way too expensive and I could only be there for a few months because it was so expensive, but getting regular showers and shaving my legs and using lotion and (laughs) Oh, they had all of them. Oh my gosh. It was really fancy. I took your your sister once just Mm -hmm. I could like bring a preview guest. And I was like, look, they like provide the razors, they provide the oh lotion, my. they provide the towels, they provide like That's everything. crazy. Yeah, that's it more was, expensive than my gym. <laughs> no, it was super. No, this is why I was only there for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, there were other reasons as well. But the main reason is like we could not afford for me to keep going there. Yeah. But just a few months of having a shower literally every day. Mm-hmm. That sounds like not a big deal, but it is a huge deal to feel like a human. And getting out and doing something like even if it's not like joining a gym, like your sister came over once a week. Yeah. For like an entire season, like maybe even two seasons, summer, fall or whatever, and just went on a walk with me every week. Or I feel like I'm like becoming part of your family. I you, visit your What grandma. do you mean becoming? Like it's just been a thing. Well, I just didn't realize like how much time <laughs> I spend with your family when you're not around. But um, I visit Bailey's grandma usually once a week unless mm-hmm. she's got a doctor's appointment or Theo's sick or something. Yeah. And, like having a commitment to leave the house and go be somewhere, I definitely recommend that to moms, regardless of if it's a gym or working out or whatever, because you're going to need the mental health. Yeah. The next one is do what it takes to keep yourself out of jail. <laughs> um, I say this because like most of parenting so far has been like the debates between do you do baby lead weaning or do you spoon feed your baby baby food? Like, mm-hmm. do you breastfeed or you do you have formula? Are you sleep training? Are you bed sharing? Are you like mm-hmm. whatever? And, you know, everyone's going to come to the point where they have their own opinions on things. And most people, I think most reasonable people don't judge other people for the way that they do momming especially if they are also a mom right and they're like i realize this is challenging and that i'm doing what works right yeah but there are the forums and there are like the people that the way that they say their opinions and sometimes it's just true that they do legitimately think that you're a horrible person if you do something differently like they're it's out there enough and you're in a vulnerable enough place with literally especially if you've given birth to the baby yourself you're in a vulnerable place with just your hormones and your sleep deprivation and everything that like having all of this input about how you should be a mom can be crippling because like sometimes people make it sound like you are a child abuser if you do this thing or whatever. And I think most people don't think that, but I just want to say do whatever it takes to keep yourself out of jail because (laughs) I did sleep training. I didn't like do the cried out method. We Mm -hmm. did Ferber, which is a whole different like explanation, but um, we did it and my sister bed shares like mm-hmm. to this day with her kids that are a little bit more grown. Like, yeah. and I don't judge her for that at all. Like I didn't want to do that because I, again, as I've told you before, I, like obey everything doctors ever tell me. And so I was like, <laughs> they said, no, they I'm said not I shouldn't do it. do it. So I'm not going to do it. And now I'm at the point where it's like, you know what? you need a bed share so that you can get sleep so that you don't murder your husband, that's going to be so much better for your marriage <laughs> than having the bed to the two of you. Right. Like, right. So if your baby is sleeping, you're sleeping, your baby's fed, it's like the method at some point you've got to just do it. Do what you have to do to keep yourself out of jail. But for the love (laughs) of all that is holy, if you do decide to be that parent that like bed shares or something else, please also support me when I have my second child and I decide to sleep train them as well because we're all just trying to stay out of jail here. Mm -hmm. That's all we're trying to do. And keep your tiny human alive. Yes, exactly. Exactly. My, my kid is actually going to be okay. Yeah. And we're all going to be okay. And as long as I don't murder someone or key somebody's <laughs> car, like, that's what's important here. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I have don't make any big decisions until you've made it through the first year. Mm. I used to say this all the time about dating. I still believe you did. Straight. I remember. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You actually mentioned it in one of your podcasts once. You just yeah. didn't say my name. It's okay. Well, I'm, yeah. I appreciate you not um, advertising my 
personal details on your podcast. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping it. But I did notice you mentioned it. So apparently it's decent advice. But I do think that it's the same with parenting as it is with dating, that you don't make any humongous decisions right? the first year. And I don't mean like, because you're going to make a billion decisions the first year of parenting. But when you're emotional and hormonal and sleep deprived, you're not in the best place to make decisions about like, should I get divorced? (laughs) Yeah. Or things like that. So if at all possible, like if you can avoid it or like maybe you are working at home or working in some job and you're like, I'm going to quit everything like, or I'm going to move to Brazil or I don't know, like just, just accept, just trust right now. Hearing this from another woman, I know that I'm not the expert of all momness, but just trust for the first year. It's not the wisest to make drastic big decisions. Mm -hmm. Let yourself get through that first year. And then the last one I have um, is for not yet moms or moms that are pregnant. Well, I guess not. I guess that is contradictory to what I'm about to say. (laughs) Moms are not yet moms. I would say try to have a baby. Um, We're not talking in this podcast about infertility, but I've had a very long struggle with infertility. It took a very long time to get pregnant with Theo and we did fertility treatments for that. We're currently doing fertility treatments, trying to get number two and have Mm -hmm. been for a year now. Um, and so I think like people assume everyone assumes and it's what we were taught, honestly. So it's not anybody's fault really, but you assume it's so easy to get pregnant. Yeah. And it's really not even I like, I see the statistic everywhere now that I'm going to fertility clinics and doing all this paperwork, even normal, healthy couples with no, um, factors that keep them from getting pregnant. Even they only have a 25% chance each month of getting Mm -hmm. pregnant, even if they're trying. So it's a lot harder. There's like every kid truly is a miracle. Yeah. And so it's, it's, there's so much that goes into it biologically that it's much harder than people think. And I would say like, also people want to be ready for everything. Like it's not just having a baby. Like people are always waiting until they feel ready. I remember when my husband and I were considering getting engaged and getting married. We like, there was this like, well, we're not in a financially stable place. Like we just graduated college. Like, shouldn't we get our career started? And um, one of my mentors said to me not to wait until we felt ready, because if we wait until we feel like there's enough money or we've done enough things, it's, we're never going to have enough money. There's Mm -hmm. never going to be enough things. It's true of marriage. It's true of sometimes like taking a big risk and moving away to go to college. It's true of a ton of different stages. And it's the same thing with parenting. We knew before we ever got married, it was going to be difficult because I have PCOS. So we knew it could be really difficult for us to have kids. And we started trying like nine or 10 months before I even wanted to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. which is good because we didn't get pregnant even after that. Yeah. Right. And I didn't feel ready even when I got pregnant. I was excited that I was pregnant, but I didn't feel ready. Um, It took us watching the show This Is Us. Yeah. It took two ultrasounds and then 32 more weeks of pregnancy after my second ultrasound before I was finally like, okay, I'm ready. You feel ready, yeah. I didn't feel ready until two weeks, a little less than two weeks before he was born. And then I was like, okay, he can come now. I am ready. Mm -hmm. Like I've met other people that were ready long before that. (laughs) Yeah, really though. Like- (laughs) It just, it works out. You will, you will be ready and you'll be more ready than you think you are. And I think if you wait to start trying until you're ready, you'll never start. Mm-hmm. Also, if you get pregnant, people that get pregnant when they're not expecting it. And again, this is like not factoring in all the variables of different people in different situations or maybe not good situations or healthy situations. But even if like you're married and you're not in an unsafe situation, if you get pregnant and you're not expecting it, you may be able to say that you wish circumstances were different that you had your baby, but you will never regret having your baby ever. Yeah, like, like I wish it would have been yeah. however much later. Yeah. You're not going to ever look and be like, I, I don't know. I've had my mom say this to me. And so I know that this is not true of everyone, but also my mom is in a very different place mm-hmm. when she said this and she was in a very unhealthy place. So my mom did tell me that she wished I was never born, but mm. I think that is not the normal. Right. And again, if you're in a marriage and you're not in an unsafe situation and you're following Jesus, like 
you're not going to look at your kid someday and be like, I regret you. No. I may regret the fact that I didn't have money or I may regret whatever. The circumstances, yeah. But frankly, like, there is no guarantee that if you had waited longer to have a baby, that those circumstances would have changed before mm-hmm. you had a baby. You know, like, there's been times, Michael, and if I talked about, like, should we have been, like, we felt like we needed to have a superhero marriage before we could have kids because mm-hmm. we're aware of how important marriage is and how having a solid marriage is foundational for kids to feel safe and that kind of a thing and so we felt like we had to have a superhero marriage before we got married and the question is like how many years and how many things would we have to do before we felt like we had a superhero marriage and if i listen to people who have been married for decades longer than me it's quite possible we're never going to get to that place where we're like we have arrived when you we can feel now be like you're good enough perfect yeah. team you know um so again, not factoring in the variables, but I don't think you'll ever regret having a baby. I think you should start trying. Um, I think motherhood is the most fulfilling and wonderful thing I've ever experienced. And I only, I, the only reason I don't say is the most wonderful and fulfilling thing, period, is because I've never been a grandparent. So I don't know. Oh, people rave about yeah, they being do. a grandparent. They're they like, do. I wish I could have done this first is yeah. what I've heard people actually say. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know. Maybe there's something even more magical about seeing your baby have a baby. But I, guess. I can't imagine that there's going to be – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe God has just so much more in store for me than I ever hoped or imagined. But I never wanted to have kids, and I never imagined I would be a mom or even a good one. And so motherhood is literally the most fulfilling and magical thing I've ever experienced. It literally is fairy tale, true love. And I I just like look at other people that are terrified of getting pregnant or like waiting until everything turns out perfectly, and I'm like terrified for them. Like what if you wait too long and mm-hmm. you can't have kids? Or what if you have some factor that you didn't know about and you find it out and it takes you forever because I have been through the infertility journey, and I just know that having Theo in my life has brought me more joy than pretty much anything other than Jesus. Like yeah. Sometimes I like it's sometimes it borders on idolatry where I'm like, <laughs> you and Jesus are just the best. <laughs> no, really, it is wonderful. And um, when you're trying and even each month that you don't succeed, it's going to you're going to be so aware of how much longer it is. Like mm-hmm. every time you get a you're period, doing the math in your head. Yes. Yeah. Every, yeah. Like every time you get a period, you're like, OK, this is when my next due date would be. It's going to be so much longer. OK, I, if I get pregnant this cycle, like you are painfully aware of how much longer it's going to be. And so just try because you know what trying does not mean you're gonna have a baby and that's true and because this is a faith podcast i can at least say with confidence um and i believe this truly that there is no baby god did not plan for Mm -hmm. there is no baby that was born or that a mom conceived and god said oh shoot yeah forgot to have a name for that one i guess i'm gonna have to write a story right quick like every baby is planned by god and you're not going to get pregnant with a kid that god doesn't have a story for Mm -hmm. and so God already knows who your babies are and um, maybe trying may just be – there's like so many people I'm offending right now. But maybe trying is just a way of saying, okay, God, I trust you. Mm -hmm. I trust you to give me kids in your time. And trying, by the way, doesn't have to look like I'm like vigorously sleeping with my husband every single night and taking all the vitamins and like whatever. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to mean that. I just mean like feel more secure about trying than being afraid to like I have to be on all this birth control I have mm. to like of like take my temperature and void my fertile periods or whatever like I well, would that try- reminds yeah. me of another wise thing that I took from you I don't know when like years ago is you always said don't make decisions out of fear mm. and to me like you said maybe this is offensive I don't think it's offensive to say like you're you know doing an act of trust instead of an act of fear like yeah like you said like they're not accidents and god knows what he's doing and all of that but i think our attitude and our heart posture with it can show that we are either trusting or fearing and i do make decisions out of fear and i just i like that reminder i don't know what situation you said that to me about but it has very much stuck with me and i remember that so that's kind of what i'm hearing from you too is like you know, not making the decision based on like, I'm afraid, like the fear that I won't be a good parent or that I don't have enough money or I don't have these certain things in place. It's like, well, when you need to figure it out, you'll figure it out. Right. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. My roommate in college passed on that. Don't make decisions out of fear thing to me. And well, thank you to her because it stuck with me too. Thank you, Jenna. Maybe Um, we'll stick with one of you. (laughs) Don't make decisions out of fear. No, that's the takeaway. Yeah. Don't make (laughs) decisions out of fear. And 
have trust that God is going to give you the right babies Mm -hmm. that he has planned for you and the timing he has planned for you. And we really have a lot less control over when those babies and how those babies come about than we think we do. So I would just say, don't be afraid to try because we have a lot less control than we think we do about a lot of stuff. Sleep deprivation is hard. One income is hard. Quitting your job and having an identity crisis is hard. Postpartum depression is hard. All of it is real and hard. And I don't want to gloss over that, but the joy and the fulfillment from being a mom is the best thing in the world. And we'll get emotional. That's okay. Um, and not everybody has babies, but mm-hmm. none of us know how many babies we're going to have or who they are. God knows their names and he knows their stories and getting to meet them and do life with them is the best. Mm-hmm. Well, I think – that was extremely well-rounded. Marcy said earlier, maybe it would some of it would come across negative, but I think it was a very realistic like picture of the whole thing, like the the positives, the negatives, the challenges, and our overall message. I think came across very positive. So. I hope so. And now you have five billion hours. It's of fine. Me ranting it's about fine. motherhood. <laughs> I appreciate it. I guess, like you know, people do say you shouldn't get them started talking about their kids because then they won't shut up. That's so. fine. That's what we wanted. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to add as a little Oh no. Closing or we're good. I, think I should leave on a good note or else I'll say something about how hard it is when kids decide to throw food on the ground and <laughs> then someone will get <laughs> someone will get scared again. <laughs> That's fair. Well, thank you so much for joining, Marcy. I have loved having you on here, not just talking to myself. <laughs> so thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and honest and I know I got good takeaways so I hope everyone else did too thank you again for listening to another episode of the podcast if you want to give feedback on this topic share other topics you want to hear about or share what you're grateful for you can follow the Instagram page morning by morning podcast I would love to hear from you remember to find something to be grateful for today